Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, I'm Desi Jenikin. And we're back. We're back again with our first main episode in a little over a month. Yeah. It's great to be back. We have a very special two-parter this next two weeks. Yeah, I'm excited. We have a really exciting part two coming next week as well. Part part one's going to be good too. Right. But part two, big things are happening. (laughs) (laughs) So got to hype you guys up. Um. Let's start off by thanking the people. We have a lot of new patrons. Okay. Uh, So we're going to get through a chunk of them because there's so many from the month we weren't really doing this. Thanks for subscribing to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. When you subscribe, you help support the show. And it's not like you're just doing it for nothing. We have lots of bonus episodes up there. And if you don't want to listen to ads, we all of our episodes on Patreon are ad-free. Yeah. So let's start off by thanking Sasha, Diane, Heather, Joan, Amy, Christian, Brisa, Richard, Kimberly, Laura, Ray, Sarah, Lee, another Lee, but spelled differently, DJ, Cam, Nicola, Courtney, Elise, Grace, Amy, Mary, Kimberly, Aria, Jessica, Parker, Jen, Heather, Kaylee, Caitlin, Jamie, Trina, Joy, Charles, Ben, Stephen, Alana, Lori, Sarah, Susan, George, Christy, Elena, Sydney, Veronica, Sunny, Kaylin, Sweet Lily, Clark, Bonnie, and that's where I'll stop. I'll stop this week. Thank you all very much. Okay, Desi, get ready for part one of Broadway scandals. Ooh. Now, some of these aren't scandals. Okay. I, I, I don't know what else to call this episode except for Broadway scandals, much in the tradition of sitcom scandals mm. and TV drama scandals. Because yeah. sometimes it's just weird stories. Yeah, that's fine. Scandals. scandals it's, it's a catch. Leave me alone. Scandals is fun word. It's an intriguing word. So yeah, let's let's start off by talking about instances of audience interruptions. <gasps> Now, I've been to a lot of plays in my life. Desi, you grew up in New York. Have you ever been to a Broadway show? Yes, of course. Okay. Many. Come see the magic. Yeah. I had a gay uncle. That's what we did. (laughs) (laughs) He took me to a Broadway show frequently. That was our thing. Do you remember any memorable shows you guys went to? or Was there a particular favorite of yours? Um, I really liked... I was very young... 
when we saw um, Starlight Express. <laughs> I liked that one because we got randomly got very good seats. If you don't know this musical, they're on roller skates the whole time. Oh my god! I don't even think it's a really well respected <laughs> musical, but as like whatever I was a child, I was like, oh, like roller skating was really cool to me, and yeah. we were so close. So that would be a memorable one, just because it was like such good seats and it was roller skating. It's a weird musical, yeah, and I, I liked it. It's I think it's Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber. Of course, Webber. it sounds like an Andrew Lloyd Webber oh, joint. Yeah. Anyway, I love live theater. Both of us uh, were we're kind of theater kids. We both did. We've both done a lot of stage stuff and. One of the magics of live performance is that anything can happen. Yeah. Including disruptive audience members. Mm. Sometimes causing the actors on stage to have to break the fourth wall to diffuse a situation. And I feel like this is a more recent thing. We're going to talk about that in a second. (laughs) But the first instance we're going to discuss happened in 2009 during a performance of the play Steady Rain, starring Hugh Jackman. Oh. Now, he had to stop mid-performance when a cell phone in the audience went off. And it was so distracting. This cell phone just kept ringing, and he goes, you want to get that? And the, the phone kept ringing for like another minute. And he started scolding the audience member. He just said, come on, just turn it off. I don't know That's if you, so crazy. Yeah. But you can imagine the stress of your phone going off like that. I mean, we get distracted when Melon starts going off. I know. And I, I've never had my phone go off like that. Or I have in a show, I guess, where it doesn't, it's not as disruptive because we can just stop. Oh, during this show. Yeah. But uh, never like in a live performance. I, I mean, would, that's crazy. I would be mortified And I always, especially if it's a live performance, that's like an instance where you double, triple check. I would have like run out of the theater probably. (laughs) Because you know how hard it is to like get your phone to stop when you're under pressure? Yeah. To stop doing anything. All of a sudden you don't know how it works anymore. Oh, totally. Um, So let's say it happened. I would probably panic and run out to avoid. (laughs) But that would have been a bigger interruption maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I would have to like, I don't know. Sit on it. This was 2009, so they could have taken the battery out of the phone. Remember when you could do that? I probably wouldn't know how to do that. Did it just pop out? It was like a big, big battery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, big. I mean, it wasn't like now. Yeah. Anyway, more recently, a December 2022 performance of Death of a Salesman was interrupted by a rowdy audience member. A woman who was presumed to be intoxicated approached the stage during the performance. Oh, no. And started shouting at actor Wendell Pierce, who was playing Willie Loman. Oh, my God. I mean, and this is a legendary Broadway actor. Yeah, he's also great on The Wire. Right, yes. I mean, I, I mean he's, he's, he's amazing. And this woman, I guess, for whatever reason, she's like, I need to talk to this guy right why? now. Why? Well, that's what she had too much on the intermission. At uh, the bar. Yeah, possibly. The woman was so obnoxious that Pierce had no choice but to break character and try and talk her down. I'm just like wrapping my head around how tragic this play is and having that incident happen. Well, yes. And this was towards the end of the show, oh, too. So it's like a very dramatic moment. Well, Willie's not equipped for this. 
He has his own problems to deal with. I'm just thinking even as an actor, being in that mindset of Willie Loman and having to go out of it to deal with her is crazy to me. Oh, yeah. And you can, you. I mean, th- this video of this incident, oh, it went viral. Yeah. Because this was so wild that people started filming it. And, well, and that's the other thing. We're seeing these things that maybe happened in the past, but now are getting videoed. Right. Because yeah. everyone has a video camera in their pocket. So you can, in this video, you can see Pierce standing at the front of the stage telling the woman, hold on, hold on, talk to me, talk to me. Oh, my God. He, he's trying to talk her down desperately. He says, he said, I'm, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to ask them to let you stay. Hold on, hold on. I'll make a deal with you, ma'am. I'll make a deal with you, all right? You can stay, but we have a show to do. Now, by this time, the house lights had gone up. Oh, no. Because she was that distracting that the stage managers were basically like, all right, the show's the show is paused. We're, we're we're clearly paused. Yeah, there's no there's no like getting <laughs> around this. <laughs> and now other people in the audience began hollering at the woman to leave so that they could enjoy the show. But she was so persistent. In one of the videos that was taken during the incident, you can hear an audience member say, "Go home, you idiot." <laughs> See, I would have been like, well, now I'm really enjoying the play. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Playbill, their website, they reported on the scene and cited a Reddit post from someone who was at this performance. They said, quote, I was there four seats away from the lady. She was seated with her husband front row center. Oh, my God. During act one, she was constantly going through her bag loudly and yelling responses to what the actors were saying. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, front row seats, they must have paid a lot for that. She paid so much money to be distracting. I mean, her poor husband, what what must he be thinking? Oh my God. He's like, not again. Yeah, (laughs) never again. She was very obviously drunk and or high. During intermission, her husband tried to get her to leave. So he... Like by by the end of Act One, he was like, "She's not in any state to be watching a Broadway show right now." And we all have dealt with people like that, so we know how well it went over. <laughs> yeah, and whenever you're trying to get a drunk person to leave a situation, it only makes them want to stay more. Oh yeah, I'm not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they made their way back to the theater as Act Two was starting. Then a little while later, she starts screaming at the top of her lungs that she wasn't leaving. And if she couldn't see the rest of the show, neither could anyone else. <laughs> she then she, I mean, I kind of love her. <laughs> <laughs> she then made her way back to the front of the stage, still screaming, when the show was stopped and the house lights were brought up. Wendell Pierce tried to reason with her, but she didn't buy it. Husband... <laughs> Husband kept demanding their money back. What? Yeah. Pierce told the the usher to grab money from petty cash to pay them. Like, at this point, he's like, just give them, throw money at them. Yeah. So we can finish this show. Like, we'll deal with that later. But but around then, the cops came. Uh Uh-oh. In the article, Playbill notes that this incident is just one of several similar events that have occurred in a post-COVID world. Oh. This sort of entitled antisocial behavior that's seemingly more become more common. Interesting. I 
I feel like I've been seeing tweets recently of people positing that there is this post-COVID effect of this sort of antisocial behavior. Not knowing how to act in public. Not knowing how to (laughs) act in public. Um, Like I went to the movies like a week ago and there was just someone as the movie was starting walking up the steps of the theater to find her seat, literally talking on her cell phone. Right. It's like, they're so used to watching stuff at home and just doing whatever, like walking around the house. I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is something people are noticing and trying to make a connection to like a post-pandemic world or if it is really something that's like increasing. I do think, um, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, just in general, not even post-COVID, but being online mm. makes you not really know how to deal with people in real life. Like being extremely online. Yes. Or having relation, a lot of friendships online where they're not really in real life uh, can give you this sense of sort of um, socializing and being around people, but it's just completely different in, when you're with someone. Right. Or, or even just like a service worker or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then maybe COVID added to that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's this, very interesting. Because this isn't the first place I've seen this um, sort of speculation, that it has something to do with the past three years. Well, what COVID might have added to is a lot of people work from home, so they don't even have that interactions per every day where they're dealing with coworkers or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think that means you should w- go to work every day and not work from home, but it just adds to it. I think. Yeah, we're very pro working from home on, oh, the, my God. It, on this podcast. I think everyone should have that choice. But we're very anti-disrupting a live theater production. Absolutely. Now... One legendary Broadway actress who is very opposed to distru- disruptions in the mm. theater is Queen Patty Lapone. Why would you ever get her mad at you? I it would think, be so horrible. I think the number one person I'm deathly afraid of being mad at me is Patty Lapone. I would never want to be on her bad side. No. I worship her um, and I respect her views about respectful behavior in the theater. Yeah. And she's very, we'll get to this. So this happened also in 2022. Patty Lapone scolded an audience member during a cast talkback following a performance of Company that went viral. Mm. You remember this. Yes. This theater had a mask policy, and this one woman would not put her mask on. And apparently this woman had been an issue even before the show started, like she was sort of um, arguing with the ushers or right. arguing with the workers, like, I don't want to wear my mask. And they're like, well, we have a mask policy here. So don't go. Don't go to you the show. You don't have to wear it. Patty stopped the cast talk back to shout at this woman in a now iconic takedown that included memorable lines such as, who do you think you are? Mm. And when the woman shot back, I pay your salary. Oh, yeah. Patty replied, you pay my salary. Bullshit. Chris Harper pays my salary. <laughs> she also told the woman, if you don't want to follow the rule, get the fuck out. Love it. I mean, I got chills the first time I watched this. And I couldn't believe there were people not on her side. You mean online? On Patty Lapone's side. Yeah. How she was in the right here. 
Absolutely. That woman was being a nuisance. She intentionally was being a nuisance. Let's get real. Yeah. She didn't, she was warned several times before the show even started. And she was doing this in some sort of little whiny baby tantrum. Right. Also, saying to someone, I pay your salary, you're a bad person. She, yeah. <laughs> I'm and, sorry. And Patty's right. She, this woman bought a ticket. She does not pay Patty's salary. Patty is at the level where she gets paid even if no one shows up. Yeah. Not that that would ever happen right. to a Patty Lapone show. But she's, she's not, her salary is not dependent on ticket sales. Like, yeah. Period. Yeah. As I said before, Patty Lapone famously detests rude, disruptive audience members. That was not the first time she had gone off on this kind of incident. Gawker posted like a whole list, a rundown called A Brief History of Patty Lapone's Unbridled Rage mm. of incidents where she, she like <laughs> clapped back yeah. at people talking in the theater. One time she grabbed someone's cell phone and took it and didn't give it back to them until the show was over. Oh my God. Um, Playbill. Dot com reported on an incident at the club 54 Below where Patty was performing. A lot of Broadway actors perform at this club. The article says, Patty Lapone politely tells 54 Below audience member to, quote, shut up. <laughs> this is an incredible incident that happened. This is from 2015. It says, according to the New York Post, during her 7 p.m. April 6th show, a woman in the crowd would not stop talking after being asked to keep quiet multiple times. As the shushing continued, Lapone said to the crowd, What? Me? Okay, I'll go home. Then she asked the audience member, What is it, honey? Are you drunk? Are you menopausal? <laughs> the audience member told Patty Lapone that it was her birthday. After Lapone led the audience in singing Happy Birthday, she told the woman, Now shut up! <laughs> Uh, the article goes on to cite a 2009 instance where Patty Lapone was starring as Mama Rose in Gypsy. Yeah. She won a Tony for that. And she stopped the show in the middle of Rose's turn. Oh, my God. To yell at an audience member for taking pictures, which is not allowed. Oh, my God. So this woman's taking pictures of the in the show, and that also went viral. Of course. As well. Uh, well, I guess kind of viral for tw- 2009. It was on YouTube. Yeah. Very popular YouTube video. In 2012, John Del Signore wrote an open letter in the in Gothamness railing against an audience member whose cell phone went off during the final scene of Death of a Salesman. So oh different God. Death of a Salesman right. performance, but again, this is like during the climax. Mm. And this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because this is 2012, so that probably was their ringtone. I I just want to read like the first part of this. Like, he's so mad. He says, Dear unidentified mobile device owner, bravo. (laughs) We're sure it goes without saying that last night's standing ovation was really meant for you. We just continued applauding the actors out of pity. They all looked so pathetically needy and exhausted. (laughs) But we were all secretly dying to turn around and face you, wherever you were, somewhere in the back, stage left, and let you take your bow. 
Not to take anything away from Arthur Miller's masterpiece, but why didn't it ever occur to us that what the ending really needed to tie the whole show together was the cheery, all-penetrating jingle of a cellular phone? Such a shame these amazing devices weren't invented when Miller was first writing the devastating monologue Willie Loman's wife delivers after his spoiler alert death. <laughs> Miller called this part of the play Requiem, but we were but we were were he alive today, he totally would have called it Marimba. <laughs> I need to know what these people who have this happen. Like, obviously there are assholes, like the the women who are really aggressive, those ones we talked about. But it is also possible it's just someone who fucked up. Right. And are fucking mortified that it's them. Yes. Also, you know how sometimes you don't realize it's you? Yes. <laughs> like, I just, I have sympathy for the people who truly are mortified. Of course. Uh, but yeah. I mean, there's... There's clearly a difference between people who are being antagonistic and careless. Yeah. And people who genuinely just fucked up and didn't know their phone was like they or it, thought they turned it off but didn't. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um and those people shouldn't be shamed. It's a mistake. It happens, but I definitely think that people should be respectful in general. I of, think people of the should, theater should be respectful, but I also do think it's funny sometimes. Of course, <laughs> when a very serious part of the play. <laughs> well, we wouldn't have an episode today had these events not occurred. In t- 2009, a drunk woman disrupted a performance of Wicked during their Broadway tour at a theater in Cleveland. The Star Beacon reported. The show's tour manager, Steve Quinn, says a drunken, obscenity-filled brawl broke out as understudy Kay Clark, who was playing the green witch named Elphaba, was on stage during one of the show's quietest moments. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's comedy. (laughs) Because there's lots of loud moments in that show where it could have happened and you wouldn't have noticed necessarily. No, but this bitch waited for like the quiet (laughs) moment. The quietest <laughs> moment in the show, and she's like, ah, and furthermore, <laughs> just like I can't believe all these people are getting wasted at Broadway shows. It's so crazy to me. It has to be during the intermission. Um, I guess. Do you want to see a mugshot of this lady? Yeah, of who course. Just she looks very drunk in her mugshot, Ugh. and she kind of looks proud of herself. Oh my god, she's someone's mother. Yeah. That, can you imagine? If you, that was you would, your mom? You would own your mom's ass for life. <laughs> I'd be so... If she got arrested for interrupting a show. At Wicked? Yeah. I'd be so embarrassed. Mom. Speaking of arrests, perhaps the most legendary Broadway arrest was in 1927 Whoa. when Mae West was arrested and charged with obscenity mm. for her play Sex. Yes. She spent 10 days in jail. Now, we talked about this... In Desi's meticulously researched episode on Mae West a few years ago. So we're not going to go into that. Go listen to that episode if you want the the It was tea. a big deal. It was a very big deal. So here are some more recent arrests. Broadway actor James Beeks. Mm. He was arrested for participating in the January 6th Capitol riot. <laughs> Why is that always funny? <laughs> I got to say, it is... Possibly the most embarrassing thing to be arrested for is the Capitol riot. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of, like, a lot of people who are kind of notable have come out of the woodwork 
Yeah. Like they make headlines. This guy, the owner of this restaurant was at the January. (laughs) Wasn't there another actor? Yeah. The guy from the Sarah Silverman show. Oh, yeah. The guy who played the cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was arrested for being at the January 6th Capitol riot. There was like some Beverly Hills waxing salon owner, I I believe. Well, it's always funny to see their photo of them screaming with an American flag. You yeah. can't really recognize them, and then you see them in real, like their normal life photo. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is... <laughs> Looking deranged, holding a piece of the Capitol furniture on over his head. Like it's, it's so embarrassing. It's so there's so much video and photography of that event. Oh yeah. It's just wild. It's, um, yeah, that is like one of the most documented events in history. Gotta yeah. be, right? I mean, yeah. There are so many angles of that shit show. And there's people with nothing better to do than go through that freeze frame at its one frame at a time looking for faces to blow up. Do you remember like in the weeks immediately following January 6th, there were those like all those like Instagram pages were, that were like dedicated to identifying people in oh, the yeah. footage? Yeah. Like, people were really on the case. Oh, totally. I I think something like a thousand people have been charged so far. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean that's that's crazy. A lot of people have been charged, including this guy, Broadway actor Jeremy Beeks. People reported in November 2021, Broadway actor arrested in connection to January 6th Capitol riot, suspended from Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh God, James Beeks. I'm reading this from people. Is it James or Jeremy? Okay, I kept saying Jeremy. It is James Beeks. Okay. I'm really <laughs> sorry. sorry. It's, it's James. James. Okay. James. 49 was arrested Tuesday before a Milwaukee performance on the Jesus Christ <laughs> Superstar <laughs> Tour. I love that they get the perp walk out of the theater <laughs> in his Jesus costume or whatever he played. <laughs> He's believed to be aligned with the extremist group known as the Oath Keepers. Oh, man. It's getting even more embarrassing. It's getting embarrassing. A Broadway actor was arrested Tuesday in connection to the deadly January 6th events in Washington, D.C., which saw a large group of Donald Trump supporters breach the U.S. Capitol building. James Beeks, 49, is charged with obstruction of Congress, which is a felony, and a misdemeanor charge of unlawfully entering a restricted building or grounds. Beeks plays Judas. Oh. In the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a little too on the nose. It's too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Which is on tour right now. <sighs> Investigators observed him in early November at performances in Los Angeles and San Francisco, and the show performed in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on Tuesday, next heading out of the U.S. to Toronto. They arrested Beaks in Milwaukee on Tuesday afternoon. Jesus Christ Superstar producer said Wednesday, according to Deadline and Variety, that Beeks is suspended from the tour pending the outcome of the hearing, adding that the production is giving its full cooperation to the authorities while investigation is ongoing. Beeks, who has done performances as a Michael Jackson impersonator, was partially able to be identified by authorities because of the jacket he wore on that day at the riot. Was it one of those red Michael Jackson jackets with the gold shoulders? He wore merchandise from Michael Jackson's 1980s bad era. Oh, my God. And that's how he was able to be identified. They're like, I know that that's James Beeks. He has that jacket. I mean, that was the funny thing was like the people identifying their friends. And I remember there was one woman who identified her ex-husband. Oh, yes. And it was like, that must have been fucking, that felt great. (laughs) 
can't even imagine. There's Joey, uh, my sh- my deadbeat ex-husband just, at the Capitol riot. Just doing my civic duty by reporting him. <laughs> he appeared to wear the same tour jacket and photos on his social media that investigators found. Law enforcement used other evidence to link Beek's to being there on January 6th, including debit card purchases made in that area, phone records, car rentals, and more. They also matched his ear. What? (laughs) They matched his ear to images from the scene since they were not able to locate a photograph or video of Beaks at the Capitol with his full face visible. So they just pieced together parts of this guy's body. It's also funny how all of them were real quiet about it after the fact when they didn't want to get arrested. Do you know what I mean? Like no one was no one was like, yeah, I was fucking there and I'd do it again. Arrest me. Like no one wanted to play martyr at that point. Right. Uh, except maybe that guy, that that one icon stealing the podium podium. Well, he had no <laughs> choice. <laughs> <laughs> that idiot. That absolute idiot. And I say icon and I mean that man's face will it's an iconic it's image. It's an iconic image because he was real proud of himself <laughs> carrying out like the speaker's podium or whatever it was. <laughs> but that just, I mean, Wave into the camera. Not so funny though when you're going to jail. Yeah. Um, so he, he um, also authorities, they, they said he, this guy had ties to the Oath Keepers, which is an extremist group. They were very sort of instrumental yeah, in organizing for this riot, an update on the situation. He was eventually acquitted. This is from Deadline from this year, from July twelfth. It says former actor James Beeks acquitted on January six Capitol riot charges. He's acquitted of all charges stemming from his participation in the January six Capitol riots. Uh, because there was no evidence suggesting Beeks knew of plans to obstruct Congress. Now, he was there. Right. But it was determined that he he wasn't, there wasn't evidence to convict him for trying to... Storm the Capitol. Storm the Capitol. Like, he didn't, that wasn't, it wasn't premeditated. Right. Or whatever. And he didn't actually go in the Capitol. He, his attorney says that, Beeks wasn't even aware of the Oath Keepers' intentions. He says if he didn't know what others intended, he couldn't intend to do it. Beeks also said that he was embarrassed. He said, I made a mistake. It has ruined my reputation, especially in the entertainment industry that I worked so hard to build. I was at the apex of my career. He says also that he's no longer a member of the Oath Keepers and that he went to Washington on a whim. That's not the first time I've heard a Capitol rioter say they went on a whim. I just don't have that lifestyle <laughs> where I go anywhere on a whim. We're going to the Capitol. Unless it's like in town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Or like I could see um, it would be fun to go to Italy on a whim. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I would never storm the Capitol like that to do that. It's just not my deal. <laughs> yeah. I don't even really want to go like on a real tour necessarily (laughs) yeah on a non-illegal official tour i yeah that doesn't sound fun to me anyway we're going to take a break and we'll be back ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We got one more Broadway arrest to talk about in this episode. In 2016, Roland Scahill was arrested for fraud after he bilked investors out of over $200,000 for a Broadway show that didn't even exist. Oh my God, it's like the producers. Yeah. (laughs) The New York Times reported that the former theater agent told investors that Lupita Nyong'o was set to star in a show that he was producing. Oh, damn. This was going to be a one-woman show based on the life of opera singer Kathleen Battle. Ooh. Except so all of it sounds legit. It sounds well, it sounds like a intriguing show for sure, but this was completely made up. Wow. He's like, what what's something that could get people to give me a lot of money? Yeah, an Oscar winning movie star. And a legendary yeah. opera singer. <laughs> yeah. So from 2014 to 2015, Scahill collected money from 10 different investors to fund this fake play. He claimed that the show would be held at the Schubert Theater. The Times said Most of the victims were close friends of Mr. Scahill, according to court documents filed by the prosecutor. 
According to the documents, Mr. Scahill spent the stolen money to pay off more than $23,000 in credit card debt, nearly $18,000 in rent, and nearly $10,000 for food, alcohol, and entertainment. Mm. He wound up pleading guilty to the charges and was sentenced to six months in jail. Damn. Lupita Nyong'o was like, I don't know this man. Yeah. When they asked her for comment. She's like, I've never met this guy. Well, I mean, where did he think this would end, end up going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this wasn't... This wasn't a good scam. No. In my opinion. But it's amazing he got money. He got over from his close friends. I mean, that's, I think that's how he got all the money is because these people trusted him. Yeah. Right. These weren't like investors he didn't know or something. But now he's out 10 close friends. That's true. The betrayal of that. Yeah. If if you bilked me out of like $90,000 or something because you were going to put on, um, I don't know, a Broadway show about the life of Richard Simmons. <laughs> of course I would invest in that. Yeah. Who wouldn't? And then and then it turns out to be fake. And it's, it's not so it's not weird. performing at the Pantages. It also makes it it's like it makes less sense to bil- bilk your friends than just some rando billionaire investor type or yeah, something. That's the real crime. <clears throat> yeah. I filed this story under miscellaneous but iconic. Okay. In 2008, Jeremy Piven had to quit the Broadway show (laughs) Speed the Plow after he got mercury poisoning. I remember this story well. It was soon learned that Piven had gotten ill from eating too much sushi. Mm. People magazine interviewed his doctor about the incident. He said, I pulled Jeremy from the show. I'm an unpopular character right now. Now, I had forgotten this tidbit, but do you remember when this story broke? There were people doubting claims his like there there were people who were suspicious of jeremy piven like oh they're why did he drop out of the show that's got to be some nefarious reason so the doctor had to come out and basically clarify the situation he's got mercury poisoning how much sushi did he eat we're gonna get into that (laughs) piven was two months into the play's revival when he became ill he said It progressed to the point where that final Sunday I was having problems spatially. He suffered dizziness, fatigue, and he couldn't remember his lines. Mm. Piven spent three days in the hospital before his doctor told him that he could not continue the show. Now, Piven was devastated. This was like a big deal, this play. Yeah. And it had gotten good reviews, and he has to just bow out. In the middle of the show. So they're doing their like trial run in Chicago or something, right? Was that what it was? Or it was on Broadway. Oh. I thought they were like, you know how they do like that out of town performance first. But it <sighs> doesn't know matter. What? I should have I should have looked more into that. <clears throat> it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um I just remember that play because Madonna was in it. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> no, Madonna. But also Lindsay Lohan. I don't, that's not the one I think of. I just think of Madonna because it was such a big deal because her and Willem Dafoe and maybe another actor that was big were in it um, when I was a kid. Yeah. At like Lincoln Center or something. And I was like, Madonna's in a play. (laughs) Like it was so (laughs) exciting. Um, David Mamet, who wrote the play, he said that Jeremy Piven was leaving show business to pursue a career as a thermometer. Oh. So he made a joke about his mercury poisoning. Like I said, (laughs) Piven was super bummed about having to leave the show. His doctor claimed that he had to force him for the sake of his health. 
The doctor, whose name is Dr. Kolker, said that Piven had almost six times the limit of mercury. <laughs> I don't know how to phrase that, but it's whatever. Like That's you're, a lot. You're allowed to have a little bit of mercury, I guess, but he had six times the legal limit. That's like such a rich person way to get mercury poisoning, <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. He said it's the highest level I've ever seen, and the doctor blamed Jeremy Piven's sushi eating habits for the mercury poisoning, saying that the actor ate it twice a day for years. Jesus. To be honest, I could see this happening to me because if I was rich, I I would eat sushi twice a day. I could see it happening. Yeah, I would never. Sushi's like an every once in a while thing for me. I think sushi, like if, it, like I, I could see myself yeah. eating fish every single day. Yeah. And getting mercury poisoning. I mean, I still think it's possible it's not true. What? So you so you think you think he like had to go to rehab or something? I think maybe he felt the pressure of doing the play and wanted what? to get out of it. I'm just saying I think it's possible. Wow. Um <laughs> I do think it's possible. No, he like had to issue all these statements afterwards to be like, I worked my ass off on this. So? I just eat a, <laughs> I, I eat a lot of sushi and I got mer- mercury poisoning. The th- I think he's, um, first of all, I've heard a lot of hearsay stories for sure that he's a dick. Really? Yeah. And so I just feel like he probably was embarrassed. I think it's possible he wanted to get out of it for some reason. Wow. That's scandalous. Is it? I feel like it's common. I think a lot of people don't buy that story. Maybe right. I'm just misremembering the discourse from 2008. I just think I was paying attention more because I knew people who knew him. And I just remember he had like a real like everyone loved him moment. And then all of a sudden everyone didn't like him. They turned on him. They turned on him. And I think it predated the sushi incident. <laughs> so when this came out, I just remember everyone being like, oh, sure. Because he had a reputation for being like whatever, tr- like um, difficult to oh. work with. Oh, Wow. So twice a day for years. That's that's what it took. I mean, that's crazy though, because a lot of people probably eat it just as much sushi sushi as him, right? But maybe not twice a day every day. Like, what I if- honestly don't believe he ate sushi <laughs> twice a day every day for a year. I'm sorry, years <laughs> for years. I don't believe that. That's yeah. like too much. You're not gonna have anything else. Come on. I like sushi. I'm not eating it that much. That's true. It's like too much. I, I don't eat anything that much. I love fried chicken. I don't have that twice a day, every day for two years. Like yeah. nothing I love would I eat that much. I'm sorry. What about shrimp? Could you eat shrimp every I day? I don't think I could eat anything every day two times a day for two years. One of my favorite lines in rap is pimp seas, we eat so many shrimp, I got iodine poisoning. And I think about that a lot because <laughs> shrimp is also a food like I could eat in excess. I could but definitely I, eat it a lot. But I read, I read according to a Facebook post, because I, I had to look into the shrimp iodine poisoning right. thing and like what would it take? Yeah. How much shrimp would you have to eat? And the answer appears to be seven pounds. A day? Yeah. Okay. So That's I'm too not, much. I'm not eating that. Maybe if it was popcorn shrimp. Then you're t- that's different. <laughs> that's definitely different. <laughs> when something's fried, then you can eat a lot of it for sure. But I'm not eating seven pounds of shrimp cocktail. 
No, that's... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't do that. But like shrimp tempura, I feel like it would be so easy to overeat that. But you're, that would still probably be like a pound would be a lot. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a lot. At the end of the day, I don't have a good transition for this. Uh-huh. That's my transition because we're <laughs> going to go into haunted Broadway. Ooh. Now Broadway is very haunted. Of course. And to me, it makes sense because theater people are very dramatic. And I think if anyone's going to come back as a ghost, it's going to be a theater person. I feel like we've covered some theater haunting ones. Well, the first one we're going to touch on is something that you covered in your story on Olive Thomas. Right. That's right. Okay. I knew there, I knew there was like a familiar. We're not going to go too into this, just briefly touch on it. But as we've, we talked about in our Olive Thomas episode, she was a silent film actress and Zigfield Follies girl, and she is known to haunt Broadway's New Amsterdam Theater. Right. The theater has had reports of lights flickering, cabinets opening, knocking sounds, cold spots, and sometimes sightings of ghostly visions, such as a contorted face in a mirror or window. Ooh. Ghosts love opening cabinets. And they love mirrors. <laughs> it's always the same things, right? It, it's always, a cold spot. A cold spot. <laughs> a wet spot. Oh. <laughs> That's what That's you leave. That's a ghost. That's when, you, when Desi's going to be a ghost, she's just going to leave a wet spot. We'll leave a wet spot on your new sheets. Yeah. <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> Desi. <sighs> it's Desi again. The worst poltergeist. <laughs> Knocking sounds. Um, Olive is said to have begun haunting the theater soon after her death in 1920. She did go on hiatus in the 40s mm. when 42nd Street was in its flop era. Yeah. So she like was like, this place isn't hot anymore. <laughs> she, I'm not haunting this place. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to be seen she here. She went to the Hamptons. <laughs> yeah. She haunted the Hamptons for a while. But in the 90s, she was back. Ooh. Because that's when the Lion King went up. Oh, she's like, fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm haunting the hell out of this. Um, did you ever see, did you ever watch the Mario Cantone special, his comedy special? Uh, no, but you've shown me clips from it. It's it's one of my favorite comedy specials, but he he talks about auditioning for the Lion King mm. musical and how he just like could not take it seriously because it he felt like he was butt fucking the the, <laughs> the, the puppet mm. you know because it because you know yeah. it was like people on yes. like behind these puppets he felt like he was butt fucking Timon <laughs> <laughs> I mean how do you concentrate he couldn't do it um but all of Thomas loved haunting during the Lion King's and and since then. Yeah, she's like, I'm back. You can read more about her more recent hauntings on Playbill.com. Playbill.com also says the Belasco Theater is haunted by David Belasco, oh. a.k.a. the Bishop of Broadway. He was nicknamed Bishop because he wore a priest drag. I don't think he was a priest at all. Oh. He just liked dressing as one. Yeah, it's a sh- chic look. He thought it was chic. <laughs> The former producer, writer, actor died in 1931, but when he was alive, he spent most of his time at his theater, and he apparently hasn't left the theater even in death. Sightings of Belasco are common. In a piece written by Curb New York, 
quote, actors have reported seeing a lone dark figure watching from the balcony who would then attempt to speak to them after a show. Others reported the frequent sounds of footsteps, doors opening and closing at random, curtains swaying without being touched, and the elevator moving even when it wasn't in operation. Now, I agree with you, Desi, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, but you're right. Doors and cabinets opening, that's so basic. That's so common. Yeah. I think it's much more frightening if, like, I don't know, a blender started going off. Right. Or other appliances that maybe, or um, or things. That were more unusual. More unusual than your run-of-the-mill footsteps, cabinets, doors. Or just creaky sounds. You know. Yeah, lights flickering. Yeah. We want to see some like um you know what's really scary is like a radio turning on. Yeah, or something flying in the air. <laughs> <laughs> like a ghost. Like they're just a teacup. Oh, and oh an object. Like an object that's moving. That's so like haunted mansion. Yeah, that's my uh knowledge base. <laughs> Playbill reported a second ghost believed to haunt the Belasco, a ghost known as the Blue Lady who appears in a blue mist. And she's thought to be one of Belasco's female companions. There have also been reports of the sounds of loud parties taking place upstairs in the apartment where Belasco once lived. And people would like go up there to like thinking someone had broken into the theater, but there was nothing there. That's scary. When they opened the door. Playbill also quoted the actress Melissa Errico, who played Mina in the Dracula musical, as saying, my dresser Kathy saw him walk into a mirror the other day. Ooh. She thinks he lives in the mirror in the wall outside my dressing room. That's scary. Yeah, that's really frightening. One night I forgot my coat and I had turned out the lights in my room. I turned back to get my coat in the dark and someone turned the small pretty table light on for me to see my way. It was spooky. As I opened the door to leave, as I was walking out, someone closed the door behind me. I didn't touch it, but I watched it move. The Eugene O'Neill Theater is very haunted as well. Patty Lapone had an incident. Oh. Incident with a ghost. She stepped on the foot of a ghost once. Oh, shit. She thought she stepped on her friend's foot. And when she turned around, her friend was like far away. She's like, excuse me. And then it was like, oh, I stepped on a ghost foot. The Imperial Theater is said to be haunted by a ghost named Fred. Oh. And also apparently haunted by Ethel Merman. (gasps) That's scary. That's an exciting ghost. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Because she brings the drama. Totally. The how do they know the ghost name is Fred? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know how sometimes like in movies you'll learn the name of a ghost? Or maybe everyone just called him that. Oh, right. that's Fred. And it just became a thing. Yeah. Our final ghost story to me is the most frightening. This is in the Palace Theater, which is also very haunted. Mm. Acrobat Louis... Borsalino is said to haunt this theater. Legend has it that during a tightrope walk, he fell to his death in front of an audience. So there have been reports of his ghost dangling from the rafters, letting out a scream, and then plunging to his death. Oh, my God. That's drama. Yeah. 
See, how, it makes more sense when they die at the theater. Right? Yeah. That they're trapped there. Right. But I would but if I was a a theater ghost, don't you think like a like a dramatic theater actor or actress would want to return and be like, I need one more performance. Yeah. I just want to know their trajectory. Like, are they a ghost and they're just wherever? And they're like, I got to get back to the theater. I and think they get so. On a train. Do they just f- fly there? <laughs> or do they vaporize there? You yeah. Know, how do they get there? And I wonder, I need to know the politics of haunting. Yeah. It's always very curious to me, like, um, does it matter where you die do you have to die in a place to remain there as a ghost? Right. Or can you, like you said, Go travel anywhere. Yeah, to like a better place? Do you have to get into a haunted object that gets carried somewhere? That makes I think I think if you're a ghost, you can travel anywhere that is like of relevance because otherwise there would just be such a high concentration of haunted hospitals. Yes. And while I agree that like there are haunted hospitals, you'd think that not every person who died there would stay there. Because a lot of people are like, I want to get out of here. Yeah. I, no one wants to stay in a hospital. Yeah. Unless they had some unfinished business there. Ooh. <laughs> or like a um, nurse they're yeah, pissed at. A nurse they're mad at or a, a nurse they um, had a relationship with maybe some kind of relationship. Right. Or they think the doctor fucked up. Yeah, they want revenge, a vengeful ghost. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that um, it makes sense for actors to return to the theater. As, and obviously, if you died in the theater, like I feel like that just, you got to stay there. I just think that would be an interesting um, thing to explore in a movie or something, mm. where someone gets to create the whole politics of haunting and where you go. Yeah, and how you get to go there. I'd that love, would be a good show. That would be a good show. I'd love to see the logistics. Right. You just have to create the world. It doesn't have to be accurate, obviously, because no one knows. <laughs> That's such a good idea. Um, so this acrobat who is said to have plunged to his death. Um, and the New York Times, the, the curbed article that I was citing points to a New York Times article from 1935 that does confirm that this acrobat did, he existed. He was a, right. he was a real acrobat who performed at the Palace Theater. However, in this 1935 article, it reports that he did while he did fall from the tightrope, he was he was badly injured, he didn't die. Okay. So, I guess wires got crossed with as they do in mm. these sort of urban legends. Right, because if someone saw something that looked like someone falling, perhaps they did some research and they're like, oh, maybe it's this guy who used to do a tightrope act here. Yeah, right. and, and it sort of just got like, oh, he he must have fallen to his death. Right. But he didn't. He, he didn't. died later. He died later on. And not related to the accident. Right. Okay. Anyway, that's our part one. If you want to find out more Haunted Broadway stories, you... It is staggering. I know. I do remember being on Playbill.com when I was doing the Olive. Great resource. (laughs) Great resource. When I was doing the Olive Thomas and reading it there, because that was like the only place that really had it. Uh, And I remember seeing a bunch of other things and thinking like, oh, I had no idea Playbill.com was such a huge database of information. Like Playbill 
has so much information about like behind the scenes Broadway yeah. stuff, but I was I was shocked to see like the extensive reporting on hauntings they had there. No, it's crazy. Like how yeah. many stories they have just like you know, you think of it as the playbell. <laughs> Not this like article generating like endeavor or something. Oh yeah, they're on top of it. No, it's it was it was uh, really interesting. Um anyway, so yeah, if you want to know more about haunted Broadway, just google it. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go out by reminding everyone to buy tickets to our show in Austin on September 26th, if you're in the area. At the Cap City Comedy Club. It's going to be really fun. We're going to add a link in the show notes if you want to buy tickets. We're really excited about it. Yeah. We're going to have a great time. And we're going to do a lot of fun things in Austin. Yeah. Including some haunting stuff. We're going to do some haunted Austin stuff. So... Yes, click that link and get a lot of tickets for you and your friends. And it's going to be fun as hell. Yeah, and stay tuned for more cities. We will be coming to your city. Yes. So we just, it's TBD right now. Yes. We don't have the schedule yet. Okay, sounds good. And subscribe to our Patreon. We will also have a link for that in the show notes. And we'll be back next week with part two. Very excited. Okay, bye. Bye. 